I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, this is Arsene Wenger. Welcome to this audio production of the Arsenal Match Day program. Europa League, Thursday, September 14th, 2017. Arsenal vs FC Cologne. Kickoff, 8.05pm. The contents. The manager, Arsene Wenger. The captain, Per Mertesacker. Voice of Arsenal. Youth, Young Gun. That's me. Exclusive interview. Pressure points. Community. UEFA. Visitors. Match action. Bournemouth. The player interview. My story. My arsenal. And teams. The boss. Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger on building on the Bournemouth win and the challenge posed by Cologne. Arsene was talking to Chris Harris. Cologne are a team who are good going forward. They are very mobile. And so for us, it's very important to have a strong focus on defending together to make sure our movement is coordinated. I can still remember watching the likes of Wolfgang Overath, Hannes Ullor and Bernard Kuhlmann in the past. Cologne have had big teams through their history, but this is their first season in Europe for 25 years. That shows that reaching this stage is not to be taken for granted, and they will enjoy it because they haven't had European football for a long time. That makes them more dangerous. They are a bit under pressure in the Bundesliga because they've had a bad patch, but in this competition they have nothing to lose and will have a huge support for them. It's all positive on that front. We come into tonight's game following a good victory over Bournemouth on Saturday. It's always a test when you have such a negative experience like we had at Liverpool for the mental health of the team to respond. We had a committed, disciplined and a very good offensive performance. I went for more experience at the back. I changed the positions a little bit and I think it suited the team well and we looked solid. We had a bad experience at Liverpool, so you always think, should we change everything from a system that we did very well with at the end of last season? 
but I think it was worth experiencing it again, and it served us well on Saturday. In terms of our team news for today, some players will come in, of course, because many others played twice for the national team, and then again against Bournemouth. So two or three will not be in the squad, but most of them will play. We have no big injury problems, and overall the situation is not too bad. One player who won't feature is Francis Conquelin, who we are likely to be without for around three weeks. We have players like Aaron Ramsey and Masut Ozil, who have had some response to playing two international games, so they are rested completely. For Jack Wilshire, I believe that first of all it's important for him to continue with the spirit he works with. There was always huge pressure on him to come back as quickly as possible. Overall, I think if he can keep calm and focus on his job, he is on a good path. In training, he is getting stronger every day, and that's what we want from him. He was injured at the start of the season, so he was a bit behind the other players, but now he is getting better and better. Every game is an opportunity for him, and this season is a good opportunity for him as well. I know that Olivier Giroud goes into today's game with 99 goals for the club. I have said many times that his contribution has been huge, that he has had a great evolution here. He has shown a very loyal spirit, and he has respect from everybody inside the club as well as from the fans. I wouldn't say the Europa League is our best chance of a Champions League return, but it is an opportunity. I came out many times and said I think the best way is through the Premier League. This is a different competition, and we want to win every competition we play in, but we don't calculate that this is the best way to the Champions League qualification. We have done that for 20 years by doing it in the Premier League. The disappointment of not finishing in the top four was there, of course, but unfortunately we were one point short. We got 75 points last year, and overall, I am humble enough to be happy to win any single competition we play in. Tonight's game also gives us the chance to show that we can cope with playing on Thursdays and Sundays. We've played on Wednesday night in Barcelona, and on Saturday morning at Everton before, and we won at Goodison Park. You can't let your mind get caught up with preconceived ideas. Football is down to the performance on the day, and in three days you can recover. Playing on Thursday as opposed to Wednesday makes no difference to us, apart from the fact that we're in a different competition. Wednesday and Saturday is similar to Thursday and Sunday. Finally, I would like to welcome Charlie George, Rob Wilson, Pat Rice and Frank McClintock to the director's box tonight, all of whom played when Arsenal entertained Wolfgang Overath's Cologne team at Highbury in the UEFA Cup back in 1971. Enjoy the game. Number 22 for the boss. On Tuesday, the boss took part in his 22nd official photo call since taking the reins as Arsenal manager. Since the 1996-97 season, he's lined up alongside his players for one of the iconic images of any season. In the programme are the two photo calls from 1996-97 and 2017-18. The Captain Part Mertesacker on an important win Danny Welbeck 
and why we shouldn't underestimate tonight's opponents. We started very well against Bournemouth on Saturday and I felt that was key for the win. Everyone did their jobs properly, taking it very seriously from the start. You could sense that there was a bit of nervousness around, but the way we started the game helped us a lot in getting down to business and not taking anything for granted. I'm delighted with how we started and how we set the tone for making sure we got a decent result against a Bournemouth side who you can never underestimate. They've done so well in recent years and have established themselves as a solid Premier League team. Scoring three was pleasing too. We have to take it as one win. We could have scored more, but that was not the focus. The focus was on how we approached the game, making sure we started on the front foot and got the crowd behind us. You all really supported us in a good way, and I think tonight we could be pleased with how our second home game of the season went. I was pleased to see Danny Welbeck play such an important part in our win at the weekend and you can really sense that he's benefiting from a full pre-season. What I really liked about his performance was the mentality and the character he displayed from the start. He was aggressive, chasing players and blocking shots. That was more impressive for me. The goals came as a result of that. He was really up for the challenge and wanted to show everyone that he's someone who works hard to get the benefit from that. Danny stopped them from playing out from the back and that really helped us to settle and get these opportunities. Last season, I think he was unlucky in the box at some points, but he worked so hard to get that going. That speaks volumes about him. We need Danny fully fit and if we can keep him that way, we've got a major threat. We're delighted with his performance and it comes from what he gave us physically. He was a real presence up front, chasing the ball when we lost it and reacting very quickly in transition when we lost possession. That's what stood out for me. Now the focus has to be on building on Saturday in this evening's game. We want to carry on growing as a team, both on and off the pitch. We want to give everyone confidence, including the fans, to go into the next one. We face difficult challenges and opponents coming up. So our main target is to make sure that we turn up at the necessary level. Cologne had a fantastic season in 2016-17 and you have to give them a lot of credit for how they've built the team. They have a lot of good players and even if they haven't had the results so far this season, they're still a good team and are built to play Bundesliga and Europa League. They've played better than their results suggest. They've just struggled with the final pass. They had a big loss in losing Anthony Modeste, who has moved to China on loan. But they've brought in Jon Cordoba from Mans, who is another good striker. Jonas Hector is a regular for Germany, and they have a good goalie in Timo Horn too. There's a young core with Leonardo Bittencourt and Dominique Heinz. They've played regularly and are supported by the captain Matthias Lehmann in the middle of the park. They have some quick mobile players on the wings too, which we need to be aware of. I'm expecting to face a team who will bring a lot of energy and 
effort into the game. Peter Stoger and Jörg Schmachte deserve a lot of credit for the success they've created. They've built in a calm and consistent manner, perhaps sometimes surprising people with the players they've picked, but they've progressed well. I think Stoger fits perfectly to Cologne in terms of his personality too. So we need to make sure that we take things very seriously against a side that is good tactically and technically. We need to respect what they've achieved. The away end will be loud tonight and we'll try to get them going. So let's turn up and put in the intensity to show them what we're about. Finally, I know tonight's game will be a special one for an old teammate of mine, Lukas Podolski. Of course, he played for both teams and I know he was delighted with the draw. Cologne is his hometown, but he has Arsenal in his heart too. So I'm sure he'll watch and will be delighted to see the teams facing each other tonight. Thanks for your support. Voice of Arsenal, top Sead. Well done to Sead Kolasinac, who has marked his first month as an Arsenal player by winning our August Player of the Month award. The Bosnia-Herzegovina international scored in his competitive debut with a towering header against Chelsea in the Community Shield and has impressed with his physical strength and robust performances. Sead earned more than half the votes cast, with fellow new signing Alexandre Lacazetti, who scored just two minutes into his Premier League debut in second place. Petr Cech came third. Congratulations, Coquelin. And also well done to Francis Coquelin, who made his 100th Premier League appearance for the Gunners against Bournemouth on Saturday. Francis, who joined us in 2008, has become an important member of the squad and played in 29 league matches last season. Congratulations, Francis, and here's to the next century. Meet Hennis VIII. We love Gunnosaurus here at Arsenal, but we thought we would introduce you to Cologne's splendid mascot, Hennis VIII, named after famed coach Hennis Weisweiler. A goat has been Cologne's official mascot ever since 1950, with Hennis VIII in the job since 2008. The Bundesliga's only living mascot, he never misses a home game and fans can visit him all year round at Cologne Zoo. Willow Charity Shop Transformed Our retail team recently lent their expertise to Arsenal Foundation partner Willow Foundation and its charity shop in Welling Garden City, which was transformed with Arsenal memorabilia and stock. A huge selection of Arsenal clothing and merchandise was donated to raise more money to support special days for seriously ill young adults aged between 16 and 40. Supporters were also encouraged to donate their old football kit and memorabilia to Willow, and the response saw hundreds of shirts and items donated. Arsenal vice-captain Laurent Kozilny personally donated bags of clothing from his own family, all of which were on sale on the day. Arsenal legend and Willow wife president Bob Wilson was presented with a framed Arsenal shirt worn by Theo Walcott at our annual charity match day where players and the manager donate a day's wages to the Arsenal Foundation. Europa League information. Tonight is our first Europa League fixture since we've reached the final of the competition, then known as the UEFA Cup, in 2000. 
As is the case in the Champions League, the top two clubs in each of the 12 groups will qualify for the next phase of the competition. However, the teams who reach the knockout stages will go into the last 32 and not the last 16 as in the case of the Champions League, where they will be joined by the eight third-place clubs from the Champions League groups. All our group stage home matches in the competition will kick off at 8.05pm, with away games starting at 6pm UK time. Finally, as happened last season, the winner of the Europa League will go directly into next season's Champions League group stage. Get the latest Arsenal magazine. The September 2017 issue of the official Arsenal magazine is out now. This month's edition of our sister publication, a brand new volume no less, includes a fantastic array of exclusive interviews and features that you won't find anywhere else in the world of Arsenal, including an exclusive interview with club captain Per Mertesacker, who opens up about his final season as a pro, why he's determined to end his career with silverware, and what convinced him to become our academy boss from 2018-19 onwards. Also in the September issue, Danny Welbeck takes us inside the first team dressing room. The boss on the business of winning. Rob Holding looks back on a whirlwind first year in N5. Three or four at the back, we assess the debate. Game of Thrones star Alfie Allen discusses his love of Arsenal. Reese Nelson takes us through his breakthrough pre-season. Comedian and resident columnist Alex Brooker is back. Plus, there's all the latest Arsenal women's news, junior gunners content and much, much more inside. The Arsenal magazine is priced at £4.25 and is available from Emirates Stadiums on match days, all club shops and via www.arsenal.com. Arsenal on the TV. Two of our upcoming Women's Super League fixtures have recently been rearranged to allow for live television coverage. Here are the dates for your diary. Man City versus Arsenal, Saturday, September 30th, venue City Football Academy, kickoff 12.30pm, live on BT Sport. Arsenal versus Bristol City, Sunday, October 8th, venue Meadow Park, kickoff 12.30pm, live on BBC. Olivier's Award. Olivier Giroud's late winner against Leicester City has been voted our goal of the month for August. The France International brought the Emirates Stadium crowd to its feet on the opening day of the Premier League season by heading past Kasper Schmeichel to complete a dramatic comeback and give us a 4-3 victory. The header was Olivier's 99th goal for us and pushed Alexander Lacazette's opener in the same game into second place. Sead Kolasinac's Community Shield header against Chelsea was third, with Aaron Ramsey's equaliser against Leicester finishing fourth. Above and beyond, congratulations to Zachariah Mohammed, who went above and beyond with his programme selling skills at Saturday's home match against Bournemouth. Mustafa deservedly won a Puma sports bag, and we'd like to thank him for his sterling efforts on the day. If you think one of our programme sellers has gone above and beyond, please let us know by emailing program at arsenal.co.uk. It's the law. With the laws of football regularly being adapted, 
Ken Goldman, Vice Chairman of the North Middlesex Referee Society, sheds light on the game's latest changes and talking points. The role of the additional assistant referees in European matches has often caused confusion to spectators and the general public at large. Referred to in the laws of the game as other match officials in Law 6, they operate under the direction of the referee. They assist the referee in controlling the match, but the final decision must always be taken by the appointed referee. Their main objectives are to highlight offences and infringements when they have a clearer view than the referee and determine when the ball is over the line for a goal, a corner or a goal kick. Fever Pitch, the Opera A special production of Fever Pitch will be played at the Union Chapel in Islington from September the 22nd to the 24th. An opera for the people who think that they don't like opera, Fever Pitch, the opera, is the first musical take on Nick Hornby's iconic book about his life as an Arsenal fan. See www.ticketsource.co.uk forward slash Highbury Opera Theatre for tickets. On this day, 1901, Alex James is born. 2013, Mesut Ozil and Tuba Agpom make their Arsenal debuts in 3-1 win at Sunderland. Coming up, Friday, the under-23s host Leicester. Saturday, the under-18s visit Manchester United in the Premier League Cup. Sunday, we travel to Chelsea in the Premier League. Wednesday, it's Doncaster at home in the Carabao Cup. Nelson's awesome August. Rhys Nelson has been rewarded for his impressive start to the season by picking up the Premier League 2 Player of the Month award for August. The 17-year-old scored five times in just three games over the course of the month, with braces in wins over Derby County and Manchester City and a goal against Liverpool. Rhys beat off competition from seven other contenders to win the award, having been chosen by a panel from the Premier League Football Development Department. He was nominated for the award by the managers of each of our opponents. Ref Watch, Xavier Estrada Fernandez. This evening's referee is Xavier Estrada Fernandez from Lleida in Spain. The 41-year-old is an experienced La Liga official who has been a full international for FIFA since 2011. Premier League table. First, Man City. Played 4-1-3, drawn 1 Lost 0, 4, 12, against 2, goal difference 10, points 12. Second, Manchester City, played 4, 1, 3, drawn 1, lost 0, 4, 10, against 2, goal difference 8, points 10. Third, Chelsea, played 4, 1, 3, drawn none, lost 1, 4, 8, against 5, goal difference 3, points 9. 4th, Watford, played 4, 1, 2, drawn 2, lost none, 4, 7, against 3, goal difference 4, points 8. 5th, Tottenham, played 4, 1, 2, drawn 1, lost 1, 4, 7, Against 3, goal difference 4, points 7. 6, Huddersfield, played 4, 1, 2, drawn 1, 
lost one. Four, four, against two, goal difference, two, points, seven. Seventh, Burnley. Played four, one, two, drawn one, lost one. Four, five, against four, goal difference, one, points, seven. Eighth, Liverpool. Played four, one, two, drawn one, lost one. Four, eight, against eight, goal difference, zero, points, seven. Ninth, West Bromwich Albion. Played four, one, two, drawn one, lost one. Four, four, against four, goal difference, zero, points, seven. Tenth, Newcastle. Played four, one, two, lost zero, lost two, four, four, against three, goal difference, one, points, six. Eleventh, Arsenal. Played four, one, two, drawn zero, Lost two, four, seven, against eight, goal difference minus one, points six. Twelfth, Stoke City, played four, one, one, drawn two, lost one, four, four, against four, goal difference zero, points five. Thirteen, Southampton, played four, one, one, Drawn two, lost one, four, three, against four, goal difference minus one, points five. Fourteen, Brighton and Hove Albion, played four, one, one, drawn one, lost two, four, three, against five, goal difference minus two, points four. Fifteen, Swansea. Played four, one, one, drawn one, lost two, four, two, against five, goal difference minus three, points four. Sixteen, Everton. Played four, one, one, drawn one, lost two, four, two, against six, goal difference minus four, points four. Seventeen, Leicester. Played four, one, one, drawn zero, lost three, four, six, against four, goal difference minus two, points three. Eighteen, West Ham, played four, one, one, drawn zero, lost three, four, four, against ten, goal difference minus six, points three. Nineteen, Bournemouth. Played four, one, zero, drawn zero, lost four, four, one, against eight, goal difference minus seven, points zero. Crystal Palace played four, one, zero, drawn zero, lost four, four, zero, against seven, goal difference minus seven, points zero. As at September the 12th, 2017. Premier League stats. Chances created. Mesut Ozil, 15. Granite Zaka, 8. Danny Welbeck and Alexander Lacazetti, 5. 
Seyad Kolasinak, Hector Bellerin, 4. Aaron Ramsey, Oliver Giroud, 3. Passes. Granite Zaka, 356. Mesut Ozil, 288. Nacho Monreal, 267. Hector Bellerin, 214. Sead Kolasinak, 177. Clearances. Nacho Monreal, 17. Rob Holding, 13. Laurent Caselny, Sead Kolasinak, 9. Shkodran Mustafi, 8. Petr Cech, 5. Crosses. Granat Zaka, 15. Mesut Ozil, 10. Sead Kolasinak, 5. Shodran Mustafi, Nacho Monreal, Alexandre Lacazetti, 3. Alexis, Aaron Ramsey, Hector Bellerin, 2. Shots, Danny Welbeck, 8. Mesut Ozil, 7. Aaron Ramsey, 7. Granit Zaka, 6. Alexandre Lacazetti, 5. Oliver Giroud, 4. Arsenal League Champions, 1930-31, stroke 1932-33, stroke 1933-34, stroke 1934-35, stroke 1937-stroke 38, 1947-stroke 48, 1952-stroke 53, 1970-stroke 71, 1988-stroke 89, 1990 stroke 91, 1997 stroke 98, 2001 stroke 2, 2003 stroke 4. FA Cup winners, 1930, 1936, 1950, 1971, 1979, 1993, 1998, 2002, 2003, 2005, 2014, 2015, 2017. League Cup winners, 1986-87, stroke 1992-93. Stroke Charity Stroke Community Shield winners, 1930, 1931, 1933, 1998-1999-2002-2004-2015-2016-2017-2018-1998-1999-2002-2004-2015-2016-2017-2018-1999-2002-2004-2015-2016-2017-2018-1999-2002-2004-2015-2016-2017-2018-1999-2002-2004-2
Ken Fryer, OBE. Ivan Gazidis, CEO. Richard Carr, Lord Harris of Peckham, Stan Cronker and Joss Cronker. Honorary Vice President, Lady Bracewell-Smith, Secretary, David Miles, Manager, Arsene Wenger, OBE. Physiotherapist, Colm Lewin, MCSP, SRP. Editor, Andy Exley, Deputy Editor, Josh James. Design Manager, Simon Wallace. Designers, Katie Jane Morris, Owen Pinch, Edward Wilkinson. Photography, Stuart McFarland, David Price. Contributors, Nick Brumsack, Max Jones, Connor Armstrong, Joanne Harney, Lambros Lambrew, Mike Hammond, Jem Maidment, Michael Cox, Michael Donlevy, Andy Kelly, Mark Andrews, Jonathan Edwards, Matt Pascoe. Thanks to Fred Ollier and Printers, Bishop Printers. Arsenal Youth. The under-23s march on as the under-18s face a red-hot Chelsea side. Friday, September the 8th, 2017, Lee Sports Village, Manchester United under-23s nil, Arsenal under-23s two. The scorers for Arsenal, Nelson in the 33rd minute and De Silva in the 37th. Steve Gatting's under-23 side make it four wins out of four, adding Manchester United to the scalps of Manchester City and Liverpool. PL2 Player of the Month, Rhys Nilsson, scores his sixth goal in four games to open the scoring. Josh De Silva fires in a fine free kick to double the lead just minutes after Nelson's opener. Steve Gatting made just one change to the starting lineup for the under-23s visit to Manchester United, with goalkeeper Ryan Huddart returning in place of Hugo Cato, despite the Finn impressing in our previous fixture against Liverpool. Marcus McGuane, Julio Pleguizelo, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles lined up in defence, while Jordi Tutu and Josh De Silva operated on the wings, with Joe Willock and Jeff Rain Adelaide starting in the middle. They slotted in behind PL2 Player of the Month, Rhys Nelson and Eddie Nketiah, who supported Chuba Akpom leading the line. Arsenal were keen to show their intentions straight from the kick-off, and Nelson struck the post in the opening minutes. The in-form forward made a great run from deep to meet Nketiah's square ball inside the penalty area and gave United an early warning with his effort, which pinged off the woodwork and out of play. Encouraged by their impressive start, Gatting's men attacked with confidence and once again came close to scoring when Akpom went close. Nelson played a fine ball through to Maitland-Niles, who in turn squared the ball to Akpom in the middle. The striker, however, couldn't quite get the contact he would have hoped for and United goalkeeper Kieran O'Hara was able to smother the ball. Shortly after the half-hour mark, the Gunners opened the scoring through Nelson, who fired in a fantastic free kick from the left corner of the penalty area. The 17-year-old curled the ball wonderfully into the top corner, leaving O'Hara with no chance. Just a few minutes later, Arsenal doubled the lead through another great free kick, with De Silva this time firing the ball in from the right corner of the box. 
The 18-year-old sent a dipping shot up over United's wall and just inside the near post to beat O'Hara once again. Following the interval, United attacked with more menace as they searched for a route back into the game. The hosts came close to doing just that through half-time, substitute Zachary Dernley, who latched onto Indy Boonan's flick at the far post, but could only poke the ball agonisingly wide of the post. With the full-time whistle nearing, the final chance of the match fell to United's James Wilson, who received the ball with Pleguizello between himself and the goal, turned in one swift motion and dinked a shot on target, only for Huddart to rush out to deny him. The team for Arsenal, Huddart, Oise Tutu, McGuane, Pleguizello, De Silva, Maitland-Niles, Willock, Nketiah, Nelson, Reen Adelaide and Agpon. Subs not used, Gilmore, Quito, Dragomir, Bowler and Medley. Saturday, September 9th, 2017, Cobham, Chelsea under-18s, 2, Arsenal, nil. The scorers for Chelsea, Gwehi in the 7th minute and Gilmore in the 43rd. The hosts prevail through first-half goals from Mark Gwehi and Billy Gilmore. Schoolboy Bukayo Seiko is handed his first start for the under-18s. Joseph Aluwu comes close to scoring shortly after the break and Tyrese Jean-Jules almost pulls one back late on. Kwame Amperdu made just one change from the emphatic 6-1 victory against West Ham United in the under-18s previous match, with Bukayo Saka coming into the starting lineup for Zek Medley, who joined up with the under-23 side for their trip to Manchester United. Chueo Virginia started in goal once again behind a defence of Vonte Daly-Campbell, Joseph Oluwu, Daniel Ballard and Toby Amole. In midfield, Josh Benson lined up alongside James Olayinka with Saka, Robbie Burton and Emile Smith-Rowe forming a three-pronged attack in behind Fol Balogun, who led the line. Chelsea were the form team heading into the game, despite the Gunners' big win last time out. The Blues hadn't lost a game or conceded a goal in any of their previous fixtures and proved to be tough opponents at home in Cobham. It took just seven minutes for the hosts to open the scoring, with George McEaran's corner finding Gwehi, who impressively volleyed the ball past Virginia. The centre-back peeled off at the far post and met the ball acrobatically to give his side the lead. The Gunners came close to equalising, thanks to some sloppy work from Chelsea goalkeeper Jamie Cumming, who awkwardly met Smith-Rowe's curling free kick and dropped the ball at the feet of Benson and Balogun, with the latter latching onto the ball. Cumming did well, however, to put the striker under immediate pressure, and although Balogun managed to get his shot away through a crowd of players, the ball trickled just wide of the post. Chelsea doubled their lead shortly before the half-time break, with Gilmore completing a well-worked move for the Blues by firing a powerful shot past Virginia. Ampadu's men started the second half brightly and came close to scoring through Aluwu, who sent a point-blank header at Cumming following a Smith Road corner, but the Chelsea keeper managed to parry the ball away and the Blues' defence cleared the danger. Chelsea then fashioned a great chance when Martel Taylor-Crossdale broke Arsenal's defensive line with a great ball to Juan Castillo, who raced through on goal but was denied by Virginia's leg. Arsenal came close to reducing the deficit when Benson teed up Tyrese John-Jules, who took the ball with his back to goal on the edge of the penalty area and turned smartly but fired his shot straight at coming. The side for Arsenal, Virginia, Daly-Campbell, Omole, 
Benson, Alul, Ballard and Saka replaced by Thompson in the 62nd minute, Olienka replaced by Smith in the 75th minute, Balogun, Burton replaced by John Jules in the 62nd minute and Smith Rowe. Subs not used, Okonkwo and Spencer Adams. Young Gun, the next generation in their own words. Follerin Balogun. Follerin was speaking to Lambrus Lambrou. Born in New York, America, July the 3rd, 2001. Height, 178 centimetres. Position, striker. Joined under 10s, school, Canon Palmer, 7 Kings. Boots, Nike Mercurial. His story. I have been at Arsenal since I was 10 years old, and Arsenal are the team I've always supported, but I was very close to signing for Spurs. Thankfully, I was spotted by Arsenal playing for my Sunday league side, Aldersbrook. The scout was Alan Knowles, who saw me in the semi-final of a tournament and mentioned Arsenal's interest to my father. After the final, which we won with me scoring, I was told of Arsenal's interest and invited to a trial. I was really happy, but I was also trialling with Tottenham, who had expressed an interest earlier. I had a six-week trial with Arsenal, but had to keep a connection with Spurs just in case I didn't get an offer. I was speaking to Spurs again, but thankfully Arsenal signed me, and I have been with the Gunners since. That was a special day for me, and I'm thankful for all the years of coaching at Hale End, and to my parents for driving me there, and to matches, and the sacrifices they had to make. Signing as a schoolboy was an exciting time for me, but signing as a scholar last summer has been the highlight for me. I suspected that I would get a scholarship, because I had quite a good season, scoring 25 goals and making a lot of assists too. But you never really know until it's offered. I'm now in a position where I can do all I can to become a professional footballer with my club. Being full-time and training every day took some getting used to. I've realised already that it's much harder for a striker at under-18 level compared to schoolboy football. The pace is quicker, defenders are smarter and stronger, and so I have to work harder and keep improving to raise my level. I always set myself a goals target. Last year it was 25, but this year I've set a target of 15 to 20 goals, which I think is more realistic. To have a chance of achieving that, I have to cement a place in the under-18s, but I also hope to play for the under-23s if possible, and if I do well enough, maybe even get an opportunity to train with the first team. My strengths are my runs and my finishing, but I'm working to improve both, as well as my heading. Edison Cavani is the player I look up to for his runs in behind, we do a lot of drills in training to develop and enhance our runs. I also look to Robert Lewandowski for his finishing and I go out to training early to work on my own which will hopefully make everything sharper and more instinctive. We play Cologne in the Europa League this evening and it's a game I'm looking forward to. It's a tournament that we will go out to win but I think it may be one that will allow younger players to develop their experience too. It will be interesting to see how we progress, and I think after the victory over Bournemouth, we're in a better place. A win tonight will help cement that, 
and I expect us to win. The lowdown. Who has been the biggest influence on your career? My dad and brother. What's the best aspect of your game? Movement. And what will you still need to work on? Weaker foot. Which team did you support as a boy? Arsenal. Who did you pretend to be in the playground? Ronaldinho. Which current player would you most like to play against? Marcello. If you could score any goal from history, which one would it be? Maradona versus England. What's been the greatest moment in your career so far? Signing as a scholar. If you had to sing one song to save your life, which one would it be? MHD's La Puissance. What's your most valuable possession? My phone. What other sports are you good at? Table tennis. And which was your best subject at school? Science. You choose. Nandos or KFC? Nandos. Stormzy or J. Huss? J. Huss. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Champions League or World Cup? World Cup. Instagram or Snapchat? Instagram. Home kit or away kit? Home kit. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Netflix. Sliders or flip-flops? Sliders. Long-range goal or dribble through the team? Dribble through the team. Beach holiday or city break? Beach holiday. 40 metres or 400 metres? 40 metres. Early mornings or late nights? Late nights. Anatomy of Arsenal Academy. Left foot, Javier Amaichi. Skills, me. Vision, Matty. Commitment, me. Strength, Vontae Daly Campbell. Trainer, me. Touch, Javier. Right foot, Matty Smith. That's me. Lukasz Podolski celebrates winning at White Hart Lane. Jamie Conroy was in the thick of the celebrations with Poldy, as you can see in this fantastic picture taken by club photographer Stuart McFarlane. Name, James Conroy. Occupation, Operations Coordinator, Arsenal FC. Photo date, March 16th, 2014. Photo location, White Hart Lane. A couple of hours after the game finished, I was tagged in the photo on Facebook and then family and friends started to send it to me. And when I got back into work on the Monday morning, our club photographer, Stuart McFarlane, had emailed it to me as well. The final whistle had gone on our 1-0 win at White Hart Lane in 2014, and the fans were celebrating. It had been a great defensive performance after Tomas Rosicki's very early goal. As we were celebrating, I saw Stuart and Poldy running over to the Arsenal fans and then suddenly I could see Poldy in the crowd. I was about five rows back and everyone around me ran forwards, so I scrambled towards Poldy too. It was one of those times when you just can't help yourself. It was a fantastic moment and great day for my two uncles who had gone with me. It was their first time at White Hart Lane. 
and that made what happened at the end even more memorable. On the day, I had met up with a few other Arsenal staff at the 12 Pins in Finsbury Park, and then jumped on the tube to Seven Sisters and walked from there to the stadium. The match itself was of course memorable, for Rosicki's rocket after just two minutes, but to be honest, the rest of the game was a bit of a blur. My most vivid memory, apart from Poldy, was our fans singing the 49ers song for ages and ages after the final whistle. Winning away from home at a place like White Hart Lane and celebrating with a player who you felt really understood the emotions of the crowd, it doesn't get much better than that. I've been an Arsenal fan all my life. I was born in Camden and come from a family of Gooners. I don't recall the first time I went to Highbury, but I remember my first away game. We beat Barnsley in the pouring rain in the 1995-96 season, and Dennis Bergkamp scored. Next month, I would have worked for Arsenal for 11 years. It can be pretty difficult sometimes after a disappointing result, but I'm really proud to work for this great club. Are you in an Arsenal picture? Have you spotted yourself in a famous Arsenal picture? If you have, we'd love to hear your story. Email programme at arsenal.co.uk or call 0207 704 4130 and ask to speak to the editor. Exclusive interview. Golden Poldy. Words, Nick Bromsack. Tonight's fixture will kick off shortly after 4am in Japan, but that won't stop Lutkus Podolski from watching two of his former teams in action. A legend at Cologne, where he came through the ranks before scoring 86 goals across two three-year spells. Poldy, as he's affectionately referred to by supporters of both clubs, established himself as an important first-team player during his three years as a gunner. His passion, light-hearted nature and that hammer of a left foot combined to make him a firm fan's favourite. Poldy's excitement was evident when the Europa League draw saw us pitted with Cologne in Group H. He tweeted, Cool, the best draw for me. That was followed up with a picture of Cologne's famous goat mascot, Hennis, photoshopped into the Emirates Tunnel. Two days prior, he tweeted a picture of his son, Louis, in this season's Arsenal third shirt. He captioned it, Gunner for life. The former Germany international, who retired from the international game earlier this year with 130 caps, 49 goals and one World Cup winner's medal, admits tonight's game is a case of two hearts, one chest, and says he can't wait to tune in, even if that means staying up through the night to catch the action. Firstly, Lucas, how are things in Japan? We're on a run where we hadn't won for four league games before our last match. It was a little bit difficult for us, but that's sport. Sometimes you have to go through hard times. Hopefully we can continue to turn it round. We can't reach the top positions or get relegated, so we need to finish the league season the best we can. Culturally, how different has it been moving to Asia? How are you settling in? I've been here before with the national team, with Bayern Munich and with Arsenal too. It's not that new for me here, even if I only spent a few days at a time in Japan. It's a bit different to Europe, but it's all going well. 
the people are friendly, the streets are clean, the culture is very disciplined and the league is one of the best in Asia. Our team had a bad run, but I think we can do better. Let's see what happens in the next weeks. Our target for the next few weeks is to reach a top position in the league. Tonight's match is one that's certainly very special for you. What was your reaction to the draw? It's amazing. This was the best draw for me. My club Cologne and my club Arsenal playing against each other. So this is a case of two hearts, one chest. Yes, because everyone knows my club is Cologne, from the youth team to the first team. I'm a Cologne boy, but I had a fantastic three years in London with Arsenal, with the fans, with the club, with the people there. I still communicate with the fans and this is going to be a great match. I'm looking forward to watching both games on television. The game kicks off just after 4am Japanese time. Will you be watching? Of course. For this game I will stay up. There's a life off the pitch and I have great memories of my time in Cologne because I'm from there and also with Arsenal. From my first day I felt good at the club because of the players, the coaches, the staff and the fans. The supporters made a song for me and there was always a good atmosphere here. I'm still in love with the fans of Arsenal and I'm a gunner. I'm looking forward to coming back to visit the stadium one day and to say hello to the fans. My heart is always there liking Cologne and Istanbul where you keep your good memories. I'm a gunner in my heart. You've got such a good relationship with fans from Cologne and Arsenal. That's always seemed to be particularly important for you. Of course, because that's important. When you're a footballer, you play for the 90 minutes. You have to remember that the fans are the club. They are the ones who have always been there and always will be there. The fans are the heart. They stay forever and they are very special. The fans at Arsenal were very special. The logo, the cannon. I have a lot of memories, which is always good when you finish your career and can look back at great times in London, in Istanbul, in Japan, in Munich and in Cologne. You have great memories on and off the pitch and that has always been important for me. What are your overriding memories from your time with Arsenal? It's always difficult to say. I'm often asked which of my favourite goal was but it's tough to pick one because every moment was special. I remember my goal at Anfield, my first for the club. The derbies against Tottenham but as well when I'd warm up at the Emirates and the fans would get up and sing my name. Those are the things I remember, not just the goals. I really remember when the fans would stand up and shout my name. It's always something important. I remember the picture with the fans in the stand after we won at Tottenham. That was a great memory. So was the Asia Tour in 2013. Then there's the volley against Montpellier in the Champions League too. There are lots of memories, also from London as a city. The staff at the club, who were always friendly and helpful. That was nice at Arsenal and helps to make the club great. You mentioned that one particular picture of you celebrating with the fans at White Hart Lane after we beat Tottenham in 2014. How special were those derbies? When you play derbies, they are always special for me. I come from a generation who always fight on the pitch. Now the derbies have become a little too friendly for me. When there's an important derby, you have to fight on the pitch. You have to motivate the fans, and that's why derbies have always been special for me. When you look back at your time with Cologne, what are your standout memories? I came through the youth and became a national team player there. Of course, number one is Cologne. I'm a Cologne boy, 
So the club is my number one, always and forever. When I was younger, I'd watch from the stands. I have some bad memories because we were relegated. But in sport, sometimes you have to keep going when you're losing or when things aren't going so well. But Cologne is my city, my club, and I'll always be a Cologne boy. The relationship with the fans there has always been very special for me. Whenever I'm in the stadium or in the city, the fans are always friendly. Which players would you enjoy watching when you went to Cologne games as a kid? There was Pierre Litbarski, Thomas Hessler, Tony Polster, Bodo Ilgner, and players from that generation. I didn't always have a hero or watch out for a player. I looked out for the club, for the logo and the fans. My hero was always the Brazilian Ronaldo, but I loved watching Cologne, the whole team. Finally, Lucas, we saw you post an Instagram picture with Reese Nelson in May 2014. You must be pleased to see his progress. Yes, I knew him when he was young because we have the same sponsor. I met with his family, his brothers, and we're still in touch. He's doing well every year, and I hope to see him playing in the Premier League soon. He's a good friend, a young player, and a real talent. I hope he will make a great career. What impressed you about him back then? He was really fast and had a great shot. He has something special. He's very skillful, but he still needs to learn about things like how to defend and maybe the tactical side too. When I was 17, I was at the same level. I had good coaches and learned a lot. I hope he will do it well. We're still in touch. He's a good friend, and I hope I will see him in the first team soon. Pressure points. In the words of Arsene Wenger, the glare has never been stronger. So we ask the Arsenal stars about pressure situations on and off the pitch. This time, Nacho Monreal. In which Arsenal match did you feel under most pressure? I would say the game I felt the most pressure in was definitely my debut. I'd only signed for Arsenal two days before. It was a home game against Stoke, which we won 1-0. I definitely remember feeling nervous before that game. In which non-Arsenal game did you feel most pressure? That would have been my national team debut. I played the last 15 minutes or so, and I remember having nerves before it. Your team have a penalty to win the Premier League in the last minute. Who do you want taking it? Me? No, I'd go for Santi Cazorla. I'd be completely sure that he would score. It's a penalty shootout. Do you put yourself forward for the first five? To be honest, I wouldn't mind which of the five I'd take. I'd go first or last if I was asked to. But I'd definitely take one, for sure. What is the most pressurised part of a match day for you? I'm usually OK on a match day, actually. The moment I'd pick out is just before the referee blows his whistle. I feel most under pressure the two or three minutes before the game starts. Arsenal are winning a cup final 1-0 with five minutes to go, but you're unable to play watching at home. How stressed would you be? Would you be able to watch? If that were to happen, I'd be really nervous. When you're not on the pitch, you feel more under pressure. When you're playing, your focus is just on that, so you don't think about anything else. When you're not on the pitch and want to be, it's a bad feeling. There's a striker bearing down on goal. Who do you want making the last-ditch tackle? 
I would say Laurent Kotzielny. He's very quick, he's strong, and he's a very good tackler. I'm sure he'd save the situation. Which people watching in the crowd make you feel under pressure, now or when you were younger? When I have friends or family at the stadium, I feel more reassured than usual. Your agent says there's a small speaking role in a blockbuster new film. Do you take it? There's no way I'd do that. I'm actually quite shy, and I wouldn't enjoy doing that. It's your driving test again. Do you pass it? What are you worried about? I definitely pass again. I drive really well, and I wouldn't be nervous or worry about that. You're on I'm a Celebrity. What kind of challenges would you fear the most? Anything involving snakes or spiders. I don't really like them. You move clubs to a country which speaks a different language, and you're told you have three months before you have to do interviews. Any chance? How would you learn? Oh, I don't think I could do that. I've been in England for nearly five years now, so I can speak English, but I think after three months it would have been hard. I think you start to feel as though you can understand a new language after around six months, so maybe at that point. You have dinner guests arriving in 30 minutes and nothing's prepared. Could you cook a meal? What would it be? What would they think of it? That's tough, but yes, I could do it. I'd probably make a salad. I'd cook some chicken and, of course, have it with nachos and cheese. You've been told you have a year to learn another sport and play it professionally. What would you choose? What would definitely be impossible? I love tennis, so I'd probably go with that, but I wouldn't be able to play it professionally. I don't play it a lot, but I really enjoy it. My favourite tennis player is Rafael Nadal. You're in a karaoke bar. Everyone has sung. You have to. How good are you? What do you sing? Who in the squad would you like to listen to? Good question. I'm not too sure. For my initiation, I had to sing, so I picked La Bamba, a Spanish song. I'm not sure who the best singer is, but when Petr Cech had his initiation, he came up with his rap, where he picked out all of us and used our names. It was something different and everyone really enjoyed it. You've been asked to be a best man at a wedding. How would you feel about making the speech? Reckon you could be funny? Have you done it? I'd do it, but I don't think I'd enjoy it. But I think it's important to do it for your friend. You're looking after a baby and have to change a nappy. Can you? Of course. Using the power of the Arsenal name to positively impact the lives of young people since 1985. Twitter in the community. Arsenal community. Rivalries put aside for hash game four Granville. Where are they now, Lottie Braman Jones? When were you involved with Arsenal in the community? September 2013 to July 2014 during the final year of my languages degree. What was your role? I did a bit of everything, leading stadium tours, language sessions, basic admin. I also helped plan a big event for schools at Emirates Stadium for the 2014 World Cup. What are you doing now? I'm now in a management role at a wine company, but also still volunteer with Arsenal in the community. I accompany a blind elderly lady with a season ticket in the North Bank to every home game and some away games too. How did your time with the club's community department help you in your current role? 
I gained so much confidence in giving presentations, taking ownership of projects, and experience of working with a variety of people. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All while linking my passion for both Arsenal and languages. Double Club Languages Arsenal Double Club Languages is an award-winning education program for schools that combines football and language learning. Aiming to inspire and motivate pupils at primary and secondary level, the programme uses Arsenal and football to show pupils that language learning can be achievable, rewarding and, above all, fun. Participating schools receive Arsenal-themed classroom booklets in languages including French, German and Spanish, and a practical coaching guide, as well as access to exclusive video footage of Arsenal's international players speaking in their native tongue. For more information on the Double Club Languages programme, visit www.arsenaldoubleclub.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at AFC Double Club. New materials for beginners. Our new beginners level resources are a great way to introduce pupils to a new language or reinforce existing knowledge. Topics include introductions, numbers, colours, countries, feelings and some simple football-related vocabulary. Resources are available in French, German, Spanish and Italian, while Portuguese is available online. Arsenal Supporting Languages in School Four multilingual employees from the club visited Skinner's Academy in Hackney recently to launch a new drop-in service to support Year 10 students preparing for their GCSEs in modern languages. Thanks to Jessica, Partnerships, Astrid, HR, the two Steves, both Arsenal in the community, and Jesus from the Spanish Embassy's Education Office for getting this addition to the project off the ground. European Day of Languages 2017 The European Day of Languages aims to raise awareness of the importance of language learning, increase intercultural understanding and encourage lifelong learning of languages in and out of school. Keep an eye out on Tuesday, September 26 for news and events to celebrate the European Day of Languages and feel free to share your celebrations with us on Twitter at AFC Double Club.
booked 10th. Following 19 consecutive seasons in the UEFA Champions League, Arsenal embark on their first ever Europa League campaign tonight. However, the Europa League, in existence since 2009-2010, was born out of the UEFA Cup, a competition the Gunners reached the final of in 2000. And that competition was directly descended from the Fairs Cup, which was played between 1955 and 1971 and earned Arsenal European glory in 1970. Arsenal's full record over nine seasons in these competitions is listed over these pages. And remember, the official handbook features every European and domestic cup game we have ever played, accompanied by accounts of six of the most significant matches played over those campaigns, including one against our guest tonight, FC Cologne. European Fairs Cup semi-final, April 8th, 1970. Arsenal 3, George with two goals, and Samuels. Ajax 0. Inevitably, the hype surrounding the Fairs Cup semi-final first leg at Highbury centred around Johan Cruyff. Winger George Armstrong said, Those in the game realised he was Europe's rising young star, and he was an absolute magician. Ajax also had guys like Kroll, Kaiser and Muren in their team. So they were a formidable outfit. Their style of play was typically Dutch, where they'd defend deep and hit back on the counter. The style of play wasn't one we came across in England and we rose to the challenge. But in the first leg at Highbury, it was Charlie George who stole the show with an electrifying performance. His passing, offered delivered with the outside of his foot, and his superb low shot for the first goal drew admiring comments from Cruyff himself, who later claimed George could become as good as Di Stefano. Two more strikes from John Samuels and George gave Arsenal a richly deserved 3-0 win, and the Dutch side could only muster a 1-0 win in the return leg. The Gunners had reached their first final in 20 years. European Fairs Cup Final, April 28th, 1970. Arsenal 3, Kelly, Radford, Samuels, Underlecht, nil. An expectant 57,000 crowd packed Highbury for the second leg of the Fairs Cup Final, desperate for the Gunners to overturn a 3-1 deficit. Many fans and players remain convinced it was the greatest ever occasion at Arsenal's former home. Frank McClintock recalls, The crowd was like a twelfth man that night. You could feel the hunger in the air. It got right through to the players and energised us even more. Arsenal exploded into life on the half-hour mark from a Samuels pass. Eddie Kelly sidestepped his marker and smashed an unstoppable shot past underlect keeper Trapineers. With the tie on a knife edge, a mud-splattered John Radford headed in a George Armstrong cross and, two minutes later, Samuels blasted home a third. It was a beautiful moment, absolutely mind-blowing, he recalls. To bring Arsenal within touching distance of the trophy. The last few minutes were like Chinese water torture, says McClintock, as Ian Mulder rocketed a shot fractionally wide for the Belgians. But after four minutes of injury time, the referee blew his whistle and Arsenal had landed 
their first trophy since 1950. As the jubilant players completed the lap of honour with the trophy, Highbury erupted in joy. European Fairs Cup 4th round, March 9th 1971. Arsenal 2, McClintock and Storey. FC Cologne 1, Thielen. Fairs Cup holders Arsenal threatened to overrun their West German opponents in the early stages of the Fairs Cup quarter-final at Highbury, with Frank McClintock going close early on before the Arsenal skipper capitalised on a chance following a goal-mouth scramble. Yet Cologne were a highly effective unit, with World Cup veterans Wolfgang Overath in midfield and striker Hans Law, who had helped West Germany knock out defending World Cup champions England at the 1970 tournament, and they refused to panic. Then, an in-swinging corner from fullback Thielen caught goalkeeper Bob Wilson unsighted at the near post and flew in off the woodwork. The 1-1 half-time score was harsh on Arsenal, but they struggled to press home, their advantage in the second half. Peter Storey thundered the ball home through a congested penalty area to give Arsenal a 2-1 win on the night. But Cologne coach Ernst Ockwerk's comment, Arsenal did not make the best of their chances and we will win 1-0 in Cologne, proved to be spot on. The double-chasing Gunners would lose their Fairs Cup crown under controversial circumstances a fortnight later. UEFA Cup, first round, second leg, September 29th, 1982. Arsenal, 2 Dasayev own goal and Chapman, Spartak Moscow, 5. Sheshtov, Rodionov, Cherenkov with two goals and Guess. Despite the Gunners being slightly fortunate to escape with a 3-2 away defeat in the Russian capital, Terry Neal's side appeared to have more than a glimmer of hope at Highbury in the second leg, although the manager had warned before the match Spartak are quite capable of sneaking the game if we do anything silly. On a memorable, if surreal, night at Highbury, a 28,445 crowd witnessed a Spartak masterclass, with several members of the Soviet Union's World Cup squad in full flow. Shevstov's shot gave Spartak a narrow half-time lead, and Neil opted to throw caution to the wind bringing on Brian McDermott and Alan Sunderland to set up a more daring 4-2-4 formation. The move backfired. As Arsenal committed more men forward, strikers Rodionov and Cherenkov combined to put Arsenal to the sword and Spartak played technical football that was on a different plane from Neil's side. A Rinat Deseyev own goal following a McDermott shot and Chapman provided consolation strikes for Arsenal. But after Edgar Guess had added a fifth on the night for the visitors to give them an 8-4 aggregate lead, Gunners fans broke into spontaneous applause every time the Russians began passing the ball around. It wasn't ironic applause either. It was heartfelt, with the Russians gathering in the centre circle after the final whistle to receive a standing ovation from the sporting Highbury crowd. UEFA Cup quarter-final first leg, March 16th, 2000. 
Arsenal 2, Henri and Jungberg, Werder Bremen 0. Arsenal's UEFA Cup quarter-final clash with the Bundesliga side is fondly remembered for Ray Parler's superb, if totally unexpected, second-leg hat-trick, which sealed the Gunners' 6-2 aggregate victory. But it was an impressive 2-0 home win in front of a boisterous 38,000 crowd that set Wenger's side up for that memorable night in Bremen. The Germans struggled to make any impact on Arsenal's well-marshalled defence. Striker Thierry Henry, in his first season at Highbury, went close, before slotting home when one-on-one with the goalkeeper to score a goal that would later become his trademark. Freddy Jungberg, discovering his poise and touch 18 months after joining Arsenal, added a second. Wary that Bremen, a slick and highly skilful side, had overturned a 3-0 first-leg deficit in the previous round against Lyon, Arsenal pushed for more goals, but despite Gilles Gramandi going close with a long-range shot and Carnu weaving his magic late on, the Gunners had to settle for a well-earned two-goal cushion to take to Germany a fortnight later. UEFA Cup Final, May 17th, 2000, Parken Stadium, Copenhagen, Galatasaray 0, Arsenal 0. Galatasaray win 4-1 on penalties. On a tense night of missed chances at Copenhagen's Parken Stadium, scene of Arsenal's Cup Winners' Cup triumph against Parma six years earlier, the Gunners lost 4-1 on penalties to Galatasaray in the UEFA Cup final. The Istanbul side had completed the Turkish double that season and were confident from the beginning against Arsene Wenger's side. In normal time, defender Martin Keown went closest to breaking the deadlock, but he skied his shot over Brazilian goalkeeper Claudio Tafarella's crossbar from only five yards out. Winger Mark Overmars's low, firm shot was also smartly saved by the Brazilian keeper. In extra time, with the golden goal ruling in place, Thierry Henry narrowly failed to convert three good chances, and the game ended 0-0 with Arsenal unable to press home their one-man advantage following Haji's dismissal. During the penalty shootout, Davor Suka and Patrick Vieira missed their spot kicks, allowing Galatasaray to run out 4-1 winners. The final nail in Arsenal's coffin was hammered home by former Tottenham star George Popescu, whose decisive spot kick gave his team their first ever European victory. The Visitors Cologne A Brief History Formed 1948 Major Honours Bundesliga Champions 1962, 1964, 1978 Bundesliga 2 2000, 2005, 2014 German Cup 1968, 1977, 1978, 1982 Stadium Rhein Energie Stadium Stadium capacity 49,698 Nickname Die Geisbocke The Billy Goats Official website 
www.fc.de. Cologne returned to European competition this evening after a 25-year absence. The German club were frequent participants on the European stage in the 1960s, 70s and 80s, especially in the UEFA Cup where they progressed to the final in 1985-86, losing to Real Madrid. However, there has been no European involvement at all during the past quarter of a century. Cologne's last continental outing coming in the first round of the 1992-93 UEFA Cup when they were eliminated after a 3-0 second-leg defeat by Celtic in Glasgow. Evidently, there was much jubilation on the banks of the Rhine in May when Cologne took seven points from their last three matches to claim fifth place in the Bundesliga and ensure themselves a berth in the group stage of the UEFA Europa League. It was an achievement few could have foreseen for a club whose recent history has been characterised by a series of relegations and promotions between Germany's top two divisions. Indeed, Cologne's ninth-place finish the season before last was the first time they had ended up in the top half of the Bundesliga table since they finished fourth and last qualified for Europe way back in 1991-92. The club's fortunes have been revived by Austrian coach Peter Stoger, who is now in his fifth season at the helm. It was he who led the Geisbocker, Billy Goats, to the second division title in his first campaign and has led them ever upwards in the top flight since then, to 12th, 9th and 5th, despite the club's relatively limited resources by Bundesliga standards. Faced with the treble challenge this season of Bundesliga, DFB Pokal, German Cup and Europa League, it remains to be seen how Stoger will manage those resources. He will certainly feel the loss of the man who did most to make Cologne such a hot property last season, French striker Anthony Modesta, whose tally of 25 Bundesliga goals amounted to almost half of the team's total and was bettered only by Borussia Dortmund's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 31, and Bayern Munich's Robert Lewandowski, 30. While Modesta preferred to move on an extended loan to Tai Jin Quanjian in China, the bulk of last season's squad has remained in situ, with only a handful of new arrivals, including the man earmarked to take on Modesta's goal-scoring duties, Colombian striker Hyun Cordoba who has come in from Bundesliga rivals Mainz. It has not been the best of starts to the season for Stoger's men, with August defeats in their opening two league games, 1-0 away to local rivals Borussia Mönchengladbach and 3-1 at home to Hamburg, being followed by a 3-0 defeat away to Augsburg last Saturday. Their fixture list doesn't get any easier, with a trip to Borussia Dortmund next up on the schedule this coming Sunday evening. First things first, though. Cologne will be eager to make a positive start tonight to their long-awaited return to Europe. The squad. Timo Horn, goalkeeper. Born Cologne, Germany. 12th of May, 1993. Previously, none. Info. One of several locally-born players in the Cologne squad. He has been the first-choice goalkeeper for the past five seasons. He was selected by his country for the 2016 Olympics and played in the final, which Germany lost to host nation Brazil on penalties. Shirt number one. Sven Muller, goalkeeper, 
born Cologne, Germany, 16th of February 1996. Previously, none. Info, another native Rhinelander. Muller vies as understudy to Timo Horn with the more experienced Thomas Kessler. He made his one and only Bundesliga appearance in a nil-nil draw against Wolfsburg in September last year. Shirt number 35. Lukas Klundner, defender, born, Euskirchen, Germany, 26th of May 1995. Previously, none. Info, a promising young right-back who can also operate in midfield. He scored his first Bundesliga goal in a local derby against Bayer Leverkusen last May before earning selection for Germany's triumphant under-21 side at the European finals in Poland. Shirt number 24. Frederick Sorensen. Defender. Born Copenhagen, Denmark. 14th of April 1992. Previously. Juventus, Bologna, Juventus, Verona. Info. Once on the books of Juventus and close to joining Leeds United in 2014, the Danish centre-back has been with Cologne since 2015 and has become a cult hero with the locals. He scored the team's first Bundesliga goal this season. Shirt number 4. Dominic Heinz, defender, born Neustadt in der Weinstraße, Germany, 15th of August 1993. Previously, Kaiserslautern. Info. A tall centre-back. The 24-year-old has been the linchpin of the Cologne defence since joining from Kaiserslautern two years ago. Under contract with the club until 2021. He will, like most of his teammates, be making his European debut this evening. Shirt number three. Dominic Maro. Defender. Born. Nürtingen, Germany. 4th of March 1987. Previously. Reutlingen. Nuremberg. Info. Although born and bred in Germany, the central defender has won seven tracks for Slovenia, qualifying to play for them by parentage. Joined Cologne from Nuremberg in 2012, winning promotion to the Bundesliga in his second season. Shirt number five. Janis Horn. Defender. Born Brunswick, Germany. 6th of February 1997. Previously Wolfsburg. Info. Recently called up to make his debut for the German under-21 side, the 20-year-old left-back is a new summer signing from Wolfsburg, for whom he made 13 Bundesliga appearances last term. He joined on a five-year contract for a 7 million euro fee. Shirt number 23. Konstantin Rausch. Defender. Born. Kozvenikov, Russia. 15th of March 1990. Previously, Hanover, Stuttgart, Darmstadt. Info, a frequent performer for German youth selections. The 27-year-old left-back stroke midfielder could be a late bolter for the Russian national side at next year's World Cup, having been called up by the 2018 host for a recent get-together. Shirt number 34. Marco Huger, midfielder, born Cologne, Germany. 16th of September 1989. Previously, Almania Aachen, Schalke. Info, a regular European campaigner during a five-season spell with Schalke, which included a start here at Emirates Stadium in their 2-0 Champions League win five years ago. He has been a Cologne player since the beginning of last season. 
shirt number six. Milos Jodzic, midfielder, born Belgrade, Serbia, 19 March 1992. Previously, Teleoptic, Partizan Belgrade, Borussia Dortmund. Info. The Serbia international midfielder once famously scored just 17 seconds into his Bundesliga debut for Borussia Dortmund. He joined Cologne two years ago and scored four goals in the second half of last season's charge to fifth place. Shirt number eight. Marcel Risser, midfielder, born Cologne, Germany, 17 December 1989. Previously, Leverkusen, Nuremberg, Mainz. Info, a Cologne player since Peter Stoger's arrival in 2013. The 27-year-old attacking midfielder scored a magnificent winner at Mönchengladbach last November, but missed the whole of the spring campaign with knee ligament damage. Shirt number 7. Christian Clemens, midfielder, born Cologne, Germany, 4th of August 1991. Previously, Cologne, Schalke, Mainz. Info. A 26-year-old winger, he returned for his second spell at his hometown club last January as a replacement for injured Marcel Risser, having previously played for both Schalke and Mainz in European competitions. Shirt number 17. Leonardo Bittencourt, midfielder, born Leipzig, Germany, 19 December 1993. Previously, Energie Cottbus, Borussia Dortmund, Hanover... Info. Born in Germany to Brazilian parents, including his ex-footballer father, Franklin. The attacking midfielder, stroke number 10, has represented the country of his birth at various age group levels, including 20 times for the under-21s. Shirt number 21. Yuya Asako, forward, born Kasida, Japan, 18th May 1990. Previously, Kashima Antlers, 1860 Munich. Info. A winner of the J League in his debut season with Kashima Antlers. The Japan international striker has made Germany his home for the last four years. The last three of them with Cologne. He scored seven Bundesliga goals last season. Shirt number 13. Artyoms Rudnevs. Forward. Born. Dogavpils, Latvia. 13 January 1988. Previously, Dogava Dogavpils, Zalegezeg, Lech Poznan, Hanover, Hamburg. Info, Latvia international striker who was the first player from his country to play in the Bundesliga when he joined Hamburg after a 22-goal season for the Polish side Lech Poznan in 2012. Moved to Cologne last year. Shirt number 9. Cheru Gerasi. Forward, born Arles, France, 12th of March 1996. Previously, Laval, Lille, Auxerre. Info, a gifted young French striker. He joined Cologne from Lille in July 2016 on a five-year contract, but suffered a succession of muscular injuries that restricted him to only a handful of Bundesliga outings. He will be keen to make up for lost time in... 2017 stroke 18. Shirt number 19. In focus, the captain, Matthias Lehmann, midfielder, born Ulm, Germany, 28th of May 1983. 
Previously, Ulm, Stuttgart, 1860 Munich, Alemannia Aachen, St. Pauli, Eintracht Frankfurt. Info, a Cologne player since 2012 when he joined from Eintracht Frankfurt at a time when both clubs were playing in the German second division. Lehmann has proved to be a stalwart performer for the Rhinelanders and was unsurprisingly appointed as club captain at the start of 2015-16 season. A classic hard-working defensive midfielder who operates just in front of the defence and thrives on winning the ball in 50-50 battles. He is a former Germany youth and under-21 international but never progressed to earn senior recognition. Shirt number 33. Johannes Hector, midfielder, born Saarbrücken, Germany, 27 May 1990. Previously, Auersmacher. Info, the one major international star in Cologne's ranks. Hector has established himself as the regular left-back stroke wing-back in the Germany national side since their victory in the 2014 World Cup, scoring the decisive penalty against Italy in the Euro 2016 quarter-final shootout. He was also a Confederations Cup winner with his country earlier this year and picked up his 35th cap in the recent 6-0 victory over Norway. For Cologne, the 27-year-old has tended to operate more frequently in a central defensive midfield position, and that is likely to be his role this evening against Arsenal. Shirt number 14. John Cordoba. Forward. Born. Estima, Colombia. 11th of May, 1993. Previously. Envigado, Chipas, Queretaro, Doredos, Español... Granada, Mainz. Info. Saddled with the task of filling the scoring boots vacated by last season's 25-goal marksman, Anthony Modesta, Cordoba joined Cologne this summer from Mainz on a four-year contract in a reported €16 million deal. Pacey and powerful in the mould of a Didier Drogba, he had a spell in Spain with Espanyol and Granada before moving to Germany where he hit the headlines in his debut season for Mainz by scoring the winning goal away to Bayern Munich, the only game Pep Guardiola's Bundesliga-winning side lost at home in that 2015-16 campaign. He also helped Colombia to win the South American Youth Championship in 2013. Shirt number 15. The manager. Peter Stoger, born 1966, games 151. Previously, Austria-Vienna, 2005. First Vienna, 2007-2010. to 2010. Greitzer AK, 2010-2011. to 2011. Wiener Neustadt, 2011-2012. to 2012. Austria-Vienna, 2012-2013. to 2013. An outstanding creative midfielder during his playing days, who achieved the rare distinction of being a fan favourite of both big Vienna clubs, Austria and Rapid. Stoger won 65 international caps for the Austrian national side, scoring 15 goals, and played at the 1998 World Cup in France. A winner of four Austrian Bundesliga titles and three Austrian Cups. He has yet to lift a trophy as a coach, but, having paid his dues with a number of clubs in his homeland, the modest, unassuming 51-year-old proved a big hit with Cologne, 
steering the club to increased success in each of the four seasons he has overseen since his arrival at the Rhineland Club in late 2013. The Breakdown, Scouting Report, words by Michael Cox. The Germans have made a poor start to the domestic season. Cologne's start to the 2017-18 season has been somewhat unimpressive. From three Bundesliga matches, they've yet to collect a point, have only scored one goal and a bottom of the league. That performance, however, doesn't do justice to this young, organised and hard-working side. And last year's fifth-place finish demonstrates their potential. The difference between this season and last, however, is that Cologne can no longer depend upon the striking talents of Anthony Modesta. He hit 40 league goals over two seasons for Cologne, but his decision to move to the Chinese Super League leaves manager Peter Stuger without a genuine goal scorer in his squad. So far this season, Stuger has tended to use a compact 4-4-2 system featuring two forwards who are hard-working rather than prolific. Yuya Asako makes intelligent runs and is excellent at starting Cologne's press, but a record of 11 goals in 85 Bundesliga matches shows his limitations. He'll make runs in behind his strike partner, the Colombian powerhouse Hyon Cordoba. He acts as more of a target man, and while his goal-scoring record is underwhelming, he hasn't managed more than five goals in a league campaign since moving to Europe in 2013, the fact Cologne shelled out €16 million Euros for him after two seasons at Mainz demonstrates his quality. Attacking support will predominantly come from out wide. On the left, Leonardo Bittencourt is a diminutive playmaker who combines directness in possession with a willingness to scrap for the team too. On the right, Stoger has used both Simon Zoller and Marcel Risa two hard-working players who get up and down effectively. In the centre, there's a very clear split between the duties of the midfield duo. Captain Matthias Lehmann, a veteran at 34, and the only Cologne player who has featured in the Bundesliga this season over the age of 27, barely moves from in front of the defence, distributing play efficiently out wide. Alongside him... Jonas Hector is better known for his performances for the national team at left-back, but here is deployed as an all-round central midfielder, offering energy, creativity and a devilish left foot. He's the man to stop. At the back, Cologne have a talented but inexperienced group of players who have conceded rather too many chances this season, particularly from low crosses played from wide positions. Danish centre-back Frederik Sorensen neatly scored Cologne's only goal this season in a 3-1 defeat to Hamburg and is likely to be surrounded by right-back Lukas Klunter and left-sided centre-back Dominique Heinz, both former Germany under-21 internationals. Left-back is the major question mark, meanwhile. Hector, Janis Horn and Konstantin Rausch have all been fielded there in Cologne's three league games so far this season. There's also a doubt about Cologne's defending at set plays. Their zonal marking system has appeared rather static so far this season. But Cologne have all the hallmarks of a modern German side. They're hard-working, compact and excellent at transitions. Expect an efficient counter-attacking performance this evening. Last match, 9th of September 2017, Bundesliga. Augsburg 3, Finn Bogerson. 21 minutes, 32 minutes penalty, 90 minutes. Cologne, nil.
Cologne, T. Horn, Heinzer, Sorensen, Mir, 45 minutes, Hector, Klunter, Gurassi, 73 minutes, Huger, Bittencourt, Lehmann, Zoller, Osako, Cordoba. Subs not used. Kessler, Maru, J. Horn, Rausch, Clemens. The visitors, did you know? Arsenal and Cologne have only met each other on two previous occasions in competitive action. Arsenal winning 2-1 at Highbury in the Fairs Cup fourth round, but losing 1-0 in Germany and going out of the competition on away goals. The two sides played a friendly on January the 27th, 1981, with the Gunners winning 1-0 through a David O'Leary goal. Tony Woodcock played for Cologne and was to join the Gunners in 1982. He later returned for a second spell with the Billy Goats. The two teams faced off in pre-season ahead of the 2012 season, with former Gunner Lukas Podolski bagging a brace against his old side. Thomas Vermaelen and Gervinho were also on the score sheet that day. Last time we met, 12th of August 2012, pre-season friendly. FC Cologne, nil, Arsenal, four. Scorers, Vermaelen, 5th minute, Podolski, 15th minute, penalty, 43rd minute, Gervinho, 62nd minute. FC Cologne, Horn, Kubler, Pezzoni, Wimmer, Hector, Jaulau, Royer, Lehman, 46th minute, Schnellhart, Byzantjevic, 61 minutes, Strobel, Ishak, Prizi Bilko, Arsenal, Manoni, Sekenzi, 46th minute, Yanaris, Jenkinson, 46th minute, Merzaka, Dujeru, 46th minute, Vermalen, Koshelny, 46th minute, Gibbs, Santos, 46th minute, Coquelin, Song, 46th minutes, Oxlade Chamberlain, Diaby, 46th minute, Cazorla, Ashevin, 46th minute, Walcott, Chervinho, 46th minute, Giroud, Gnabi, 46th minute, Chamcha, 69 minute, Podolski, Van Persie, 69 minutes. Played for FC Cologne and in England. Darius Jackie Diskanowski, Bristol City. Uwe Fuchs, Middlesbrough, Millwall. Barney Goldbeck, Chelsea, Fulham. Bernd Haas, Sunderland, West Bromwich. Lucas Podolski, Arsenal. Kostas Kontantinidis, Bolton. Lillian Lasalandes, Sunderland. Dirk Lehman, Fulham, Brighton. Anthony Modesta, Charlton. Roger Nielsen, Sheffield United, Tottenham. Marco Reich, Derby, Crystal Palace. Rigobert Song, Liverpool, West Ham. Andreev Veronin, Liverpool. Kevin Wimmer, Tottenham, Stoke. Pierre Vorm, Fulham. Tony Woodcock, Nottingham Forest, Arsenal. Record breakers. Cologne hold the following Bundesliga records. Cologne scored in every game 30 of the 1963-64 Bundesliga. Dieter Müller scored six goals against Werder Bremen on August 17, 1997. In season 2014-15, they were involved in nine goalless draws. In 2001-2002, they went 10 consecutive games without scoring, 
1,033 minutes overall. They were involved in a game featuring 12 goals in 1976-77, Cologne 8, Tennis Borussia Berlin 4. Their match at Hertha Berlin in 1969-70 was witnessed by a record 88,075 fans. The run. In 2014-15, goalkeeper Timo Horn created a Bundesliga record for consecutive minutes without conceding by a goalkeeper from debut. 365 minutes. Arsenal's record against German opposition. Played 38, won 18, lost 15, drawn 5. Goals for 62, goals against 62. Match action. Arsenal versus Bournemouth. Saturday, September 9th, 2017. Premier League, game number 5. Venue. Emirates Stadium, referee Anthony Taylor, attendance 59,262. The final score, Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 0. The scorers for Arsenal, Welbeck in the 6th and 50th minute and Lacazette in the 28th minute. The lineup for Arsenal, Czech, Mustafi, Kotzielny, Monreal, Bellerin, Ramsey, Zaka. Kolasinac, Ozil, Welbeck and Lacazette. Substitutes, Ospina, Mertesacker, Coquelin, Awobi, Walcott, Alexis and Giroud. Ramsey was replaced in the 67th minute by Coquelin. Welbeck and Lacazette were replaced by Alexis and Giroud in the 74th minute. The line-up for Bournemouth. Begovic, S. Cook, Ake, Mings. A. Smith, Fraser, Gosling, Arter, Daniels, King and Defoe. Substitutes, Boric, Francis, Yellow Card, Sermon, Pugh, L. Cook, Ebay and Mousset. Mings was replaced in the 46th minute by Francis. Fraser was replaced in the 38th minute by Ebay. And Defoe was replaced in the 71st minute by Mousset. Match Stats for Arsenal, total shots 17, shots on target 9, corners 10, offsides 4, fouls 14. For Bournemouth, total shots 7, shots on target 2, corners 3, offsides none, fouls 10. Possession, Arsenal 58%, Bournemouth 42%. Man of the match, Danny Welbeck. Match facts. Arsenal have won their last seven Premier League games at the Emirates, the longest winning run at home since April 2015, nine successive wins. Alexander Lacazette became only the second gunner to score in his first two home Premier League games after Marouane Jamak in 2010. Syed Kolasinac has provided two assists in three league games for Arsenal, both for Danny Welbeck. First half... The Gunners returned to winning ways with a 3-0 win over struggling Bournemouth at Emirates Stadium. Danny Welbeck opened the scoring on six minutes when he met Siad Kolasinac's lofted cross to cushion a header past Azmir Begovic. More chances followed with Granit Zaka and Mesut Özil forcing fine saves before the Swiss midfielder blasted over from distance. 
it was Alexander Lagazette who doubled the lead, firing home from the edge of the area after good work from Ertzil and Welbeck. 2-0 was no less than Arsenal deserved at the break. Second half. Jermaine Defoe hit the post for the visitors, but that was a blip for the home side and it was soon 3-0 when Aaron Ramsey slipped the ball through for Welbeck and the England striker finished just inside the far post with his left foot. The Gunners could have extended the lead further. Ozil hit the side netting. Welbeck came within inches of completing his hat-trick and sub Francis Coquelin nearly scored on his 100th Premier League appearance. But the fourth goal wouldn't come. Nevertheless, this was a strong performance after a difficult few weeks. The Player Interview David Ospina by Josh James The last time David Ospina appeared for Arsenal, he came off the pitch grasping the FA Cup after playing his part in a memorable win over Chelsea at Wembley. The Colombian stopper ended his third season with the Gunners with a fine display in the final, denying Diego Costa late on to ensure a famous victory. There were rumours that it could even be David's last ever outing for the club, as he was linked with a move away from Arsenal during the summer. But the 29-year-old decided to stay and fight for his place in goal, and if he features tonight, it will be his 50th appearance for the first team. More than half of his previous outings have come in domestic cup and European competition, so the affable goalie is optimistic about featuring in the Europa League this season, especially after playing all eight of our Champions League matches last campaign. The matchday programme caught up with David on photocall day on Tuesday and began by asking about his fitness. We've yet to see you in action for Arsenal this season, David. How are you feeling? He said, I feel good. I am fit and ready. I am waiting for my opportunity to play, and when it comes, I hope to do my best and help Arsenal to get a win. I haven't heard anything from the boss yet about whether I will play in the Europa League games, but either way, I am ready to play if he selects me. Your last appearance for us was in that triumphant FA Cup final at the end of last season. What are your memories of the day? He said, It was a great, great moment for me and for the club as well. It had been a difficult season for us, so we knew how important the game was because we had to finish the season with a title. It was a difficult game against Chelsea, but you have to say the team played very well. We were against a good team, a big team but we were all very happy with our performance in the game. You see someone like Per Matasaka, he has so much experience and that really helped us. He is a great guy, a great player, and his experience is really important in a game like that. Your save at the end proved crucial as well. David said, I worked hard to make the save. I worked hard during the season to help the team, so, of course, I was happy that I was able to help the team in the final with that save. How did pre-season go for you? He said, It was very nice. It was my first time in Australia and China, so it was interesting for me. The flight was long, but it was worth it when we got there, because we had a good time away. We shared some nice moments together as a team and that helps us for the season. Hopefully it will make a difference this season. There was speculation about you possibly leaving the club during the summer. 
Can you tell us any more about that? Was it an easy decision to stay here? David said, Yes, I am happy here. I am happy at the club, but of course I want to play more games. I have a very good relationship with Petra. He's a good guy. I respect him a lot, and I respect his career. But I want to play more. I have spoken to the manager about this. He knows my thoughts. He knows I want to play more, and that's what I'm working towards now. We have the Europa League and the FA Cup as well as the Premier League, so there are good opportunities for me to play games, and if I get to play, I hope to do well. But more important than all of that is that Arsenal win titles. If you play today, you could be up against your Colombia teammate, Juan Cordoba. What do you know about him that you can share with us? He said, Yes, he's a very good player, very fast, and he has a great technique. We will need to be careful up against him. He has played many times at youth level for Colombia and looks to be a very good striker. You've played in the Europa League before for Nice, albeit briefly. David said, Well, not really, because I played one time with Nice, but we didn't make it through the qualifier. We played just two preliminary matches, but we didn't make it through to the group stage. You have plenty of European experience with Arsenal, though, playing 14 games in the Champions League. How different are you expecting the Europa League to be? He answered, I think it will be different, because you only have the best teams in each country in the Champions League, only the very top level. I think the Europa League is a high standard too, because there are a few big teams there, but I expect it to be a bit different. Finally, you've been in action for Colombia recently in the World Cup qualifiers. How's that campaign going? He answered, We're in third place in the South America zone, and it's too close to say who will go through. It's so close. We have the opportunities still to qualify for Russia, but we know the next game is so important. If we win at home to Paraguay, I think we are through. People back home are getting excited. There is pressure on us, of course, because we want to bring happiness to our country and to our supporters. It's so important for us to qualify again for the second time in a row. I have spoken to Alexis about Chile. It is difficult to get through, but they have two games left and they have a very good team. I think they will get through in the last two games because they have a great team. My story. The Arsenal Foundation funds a football programme jointly run by Arsenal in the community and Centrepoint, the charity that helps young homeless people around the UK. Nathan August, 34, from Newham, came to the charity when he found himself living rough and is now back on his feet and helping others. I was a career man until my life started to go wrong. My granddad passed away in St Lucia and then two months later, when we were still coming to terms with that, my dad died in his sleep. He was 47 and it was a massive shock. On top of that, I was in a long-distance relationship as I was living in London and my girlfriend was in Cardiff and we found out she was pregnant. Soon after losing my father, I lost my job, so I moved to Wales. That didn't work out 
and when I came back to London, I was homeless. I spent three months living on the streets. I was still grieving for my father. I was avoiding my family and I had drug problems. I was in a very dark place. I ended up going to Centrepoint and they helped me get back on my feet and I started on the road to recovery. I managed to get a place in a hostel in South London and I'd always wanted to stay working in sport. I was at West Ham as a kid and I managed a leisure centre before losing my job. So when I had the opportunity to play at the Homeless FA Training Centre at Arsenal in the community, I jumped at the chance, especially as I'm a lifelong Arsenal fan. Eventually, I was selected to play for England and I captained my country at the 2015 Homeless World Cup in Amsterdam. That was an amazing experience. I was proud to captain my country and I made some lifelong friends along the way. Arsenal took me under their wing and, along with Centrepoint, helped me out of the hole I was in. I'd been suffering from severe depression and had many suicidal thoughts, but the help I received triggered something in me. I wanted to help other people who had been on similar journeys, and I can't see a time when that won't be an important part of my life. I completed an employability course and recently returned to full-time employment. I'm also helping out with training for Centrepoint and coaching at the Arsenal Hub. It's been an amazing experience that's made me feel really valued. I was there on Members' Day in August and was asked to lead a workshop on communication before taking a training session. And my assistants were Francis Coquelin and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. That was a thrill because Francis is one of my favourite players and Ainsley grew up not far from me in Newham. I couldn't have dreamed of that when I was at my lowest ebb, but I've made it this far and now I have a future again. For more info, please visit centrepoint.org.uk. My Arsenal. We hear about your heroes, hangouts and heart-stopping moments. Today's account comes from Les Russ, 64, Reading, Berkshire, aquatic ecologist. Why are you an Arsenal fan? I was born and grew up in Islington and I'm ancestral Guna. My granddad supported Woolwich Arsenal even though he lived in Islington. He once walked from his house in Shepparton Road to Woolwich to see a match, a three-hour journey. What's your pre-match routine? I like to vary it, so I'll walk different nostalgic routes, along Upper Street, past my school, up Blackstone Road, or come from somewhere further afield, like Hampstead Heath. Where's the best place in the stadium to watch the game from? Upper East Stand, near the halfway line, and near the front, where I sit, in fact. Where's the furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal play? Singapore, in 1975. I was travelling across Europe and Asia when I learned that Arsenal would be touring Southeast Asia that May, so I got myself to all the venues. Travelling specifically for an Arsenal match, it's Leipzig, in September 1975. We won 4-1. Favourite away ground? I really enjoyed going to Nottingham Forest last season. There are caves below the shopping centre there. 
I enjoy hill walking, so Manchester and Burnley are good for the Pennines. Stoke for Kinder Scout, and Swansea is great for the Breckens and Black Mountains. I've even gone sub-aqua diving in the Farne Islands after going to Sunderland. Do you collect memorabilia? I like to get photos and paintings that feature Sutton dwellings, where I grew up. The flats are opposite Islington Town Hall, so they feature in photographs whenever Arsenal win a trophy and parade it to the Town Hall. Earlier this year, I bought a photo in Chapel Market of the 1950 Arsenal team with the FA Cup and Sutton dwellings behind them. Have you ever met any of the players? Yes, all the team that played on the South East Asia Tour during 1975, and Tony Adams gave me his seat so I could sit with my wife on a train from Reading to London. If you could erase one Arsenal moment from history, what would it be? A match I attended at Birmingham on February 23, 2008, when Eduardo's leg was broken. Team morale and unity dropped noticeably, and the match ended in a draw. But for that match, I think we would have gone on to win the league. If you could be present at any Arsenal match in history, which would it be? Arsenal versus Huddersfield, 1930 FA Cup final. Arsenal's first trophy. Alex James and Cliff Bastin at their best. Managed by Herbert Chaffman, previously the manager of Huddersfield when they won three consecutive league titles and going on to produce an Arsenal team that would win three consecutive league titles themselves. And the German airship sailed across Wembley. Fans 5. 1. Favourite shirt. Any home shirt from 1934 until 1981. Do I need to say why? 2. First Arsenal game. Burnley at home on February 5, 1966. We drew 1-1. 3. Favourite Arsenal game. Arsenal winning the league at White Hart Lane, May 1971. I was lucky to get into the ground. 4. Favourite place to eat before the game. Manzi's Pie and Eel Shop in Chapel Market near the Angel. 5. Do you collect programmes? If so, how far do they go back? Yes. The oldest is from Charlton, March 13th, 1954. We drew that one 3-3. Email program at arsenal.co.uk for your My Arsenal questionnaire. The teams. Arsenal. Manager Arsene Wenger. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. Number two, Matthew Debucci. Number four, Per Mertesacker. Number six, Laurent Cozzioni. Number seven, Alexis Sanchez. Number eight, Aaron Ramsey. Number nine, Alexander Lacazette. Number ten, Jack Wilshire. Number eleven, Mesut Ozil. Number twelve, Olivier Giroud. Number thirteen, David Ospina, goalkeeper. Number fourteen, Theo Wolcott. Number sixteen, Rob Holding. Number 17, Alex Owobi. Number 18, Nacho Monreal. Number 19, Santi Cazzola. Number 20, Shkodran Mustafi. Number 21, Callum Chambers. Number 22, Jeff Rain Adelaide. Number 23, Danny Welbeck. Number 24, Hector Bellerin. Number 29, Granite Zaka. Number 30, Ainsley Maitland Niles. Number 31, Siad Kolasinac. Number 32, Chuba Akpom. Number 33, Petter Ketch, goalkeeper. Number 34, Francis Coquelin. 
Number 35, Mohamed Elneny. Number 54, Matt Macy, goalkeeper. Number 61, Reese Nilsson. Number 69, Joe Willock. For FC Cologne, manager Peter Stoger. Grey shirts with yellow stripes, yellow shorts and socks. Number 1, Timo Horn, goalkeeper. Number 3, Dominique Heinz. Number 4, Frederick Sorensen. Number 5, Dominic Marrow. Number 6, Marco Hoda. Number 7, Marcel Rize. Number 8, Milos Jojic. Number 9, Archoms Rudnevs. Number 11, Simon Zoller. Number 13, Yuya Osako. 14, Jonas Hector. 15, Jean Cordoba. Number 16, Pavel Olovsky. Number 17, Christian Clements. 18, Thomas Kessler, goalkeeper. Number 19, Seru Gurasi. Number 20, Salir Ozkan. Number 21, Leonardo Bittencourt. 22, Georges Mere. 23, Jans Horn. Number 24, Lucas Klunter. 25, Jao Queros. Number 33, Matthias Lehmann. 34, Konstantin Rausch. 35, Sven Muller, goalkeeper. 36, Brady Scott, goalkeeper. Number 38, Nicholas Nati. Officials, referee Javier Estrada Fernandez. Assistant referees, Miguel Martinez Munuera. Teodoro Sobrino Megan. Additional assistants, Jesus Gil Manzano. Ricardo de Burgos, Ben Garaguchia. Fourth official, Pau Sebrian Davies. All tonight's officials are from Spain. Tonight's other fixture in Group H, Red Star Belgrade versus Beit Borisov at 8.05pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hello, this is Arsene Wenger. That brings us to the end of this audio production of the Arsenal Match Day programme. Humor One. Play perfect. Gatorade. It all begins from within. Every victory starts from within. That's where the heart and the drive live. The determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. Gatorade is proud to fuel any athlete who believes greatness comes from within. Gatorade, win from within. Copyright 2013 S-VC.H Gatorade and G-Design are registered trademarks of S-VC.H. everything once in a lifetime in Australia and New Zealand. Don't just visit, live it. From the rugged outback and spectacular coastlines to adventure sports and natural wonders. Choose from seven destinations on emirates.com slash UK. Hello tomorrow. Emirates. <laughs>